This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Okay, it's a Friday night edition of Sports Talk, and we welcome you into the program, your best two hours of the day. Finally here, you have worked like a PIG hog all day long, and now it's time to kick back and pop a cold one, turn on Sports Talk, relax, share your thoughts, have some deep thoughts, converse with us, agree with us, disagree with us. Bring up something new. It's all on the table for you on a Friday night. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here in Columbia. Chris Bergen on his way to Louisiana, traveling with the Coastal basketball team, which got a win. Nice win for Coastal last night. Texas State, first win for their interim coach, Benny Moss. And so they'll try and pick up another one tomorrow. we got big basketball All over the place now as basketball heats up, South Carolina, Mississippi State, SEC opener tomorrow at the Colonial Life Arena. Should be a good one. Statistics would tell you it would be a low-scoring game because these are the top two teams so far in the SEC in points allowed per game. But they both shoot the three-ball well. So we'll see what carries the day, defense or, or outside shooting. Uh, Mississippi State is getting back their outstanding forward who played in his first game of the season against Bethune-Cookman to Lou Smith, and uh, he's a good one against the Gamecocks last year in uh, two wins by Mississippi State over the Gamecocks. He combined for 34 points, 16 rebounds against South Carolina. So he's a good one. That's somebody they're going to have to deal with. But this is a better USC team, no question about it. Than they were last year. They've already won more games this year than they won all of last year. That's a 12 o'clock tip. Matt Smith will be there for the Sports Talk Media Network. So we'll be we'll be posting on X and have post-game coverage. I'll be up at Little John Coliseum for Clemson and North Carolina. A noon tip as well. You got, of course, the long history between these two ACC rivals dominated by North Carolina. But this is a Clemson team which... Took a tough loss on the road at Miami, where they played defensively very poorly in the second half against Miami and gave up 75% shooting. i got to believe over the last couple of days, Brad Brownell has cracked the whip on the defensive side, and the Tigers are going to come out with a much different defensive um, approach than they did in that last 20 20 minutes. What you got to be careful about with North Carolina, of course, is fouling. Of course, they're a a good shooting team, but they are a great free-throw shooting team. They lead the ACC in free-throw shooting. And we know what's going to happen. They're going to get their calls, right, Tiger fans? Tar Heels are going to get their calls, and they're going to go to the line, so you better be careful about that. Clemson needs to make sure that P.J. Hall can stay on the floor for 35 minutes or so. Uh, he fouled out in that game at Miami, so you got to keep him out of foul trouble and keep him viable 
Uh, but a, a typical you know North Carolina team, though you might not know all the names because they turn over every year now, except for uh, Baycott. He's still there. Uh, he's a rarity. He's a four-year guy. And it is a rarity in college basketball, especially a guy of, of his credentials. But everybody else, I think, pretty much has, has been turned over. So it's a North Carolina team which is off to a good start in a league play. Uh, so that'll be a good matchup at Clemson tomorrow. Be there for that so you can follow along on X and catch our post game on sportstalksc.com. Uh, we've got, of course, the uh, recruiting stuff continuing. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Ben Portnoy is going to join us from Houston. He has relocated to Houston for this weekend, the first part of next week, for the college football playoff championship game. So he'll be joining us, 705, and George Bryan and uh, birdies, bogeys, and biceps around uh, South Carolina tonight. And we will, uh, of course, uh, celebrate the return of the PGA Tour. They're playing in Hawaii. Uh, this is not uh, – the. I think the official start is actually next week, but this is sort of the traditional start where a bunch of uh, winners and uh, other uh, highly ranked players from the previous year get together in – Hawaii uh, and play a tournament to kind of kickstart the season. On top of all that, we are blessed to have with us tonight, at least for the first hour, Mm -hmm. Chris Bergen. Hello, sir. How's Louisiana? Rainy. (laughs) And I didn't realize that Ben was in Houston. I could have picked him up and driven him here, and he could have been on the show live with me. That's true. That's true. Because we spent the night in Houston last night after the uh, game at Texas State and then uh, navigated over this way. It was not an easy trip. There was a major accident on Interstate 10 just west or east, rather, of Beaumont. So we had to uh, navigate some of the back roads and high water areas of uh, southeast Texas and uh, southwest Louisiana coming in. So it's been a fun trip over here. Well, we're settled in. But you know what? Uh, Starting it off with a W makes it nice. No doubt. That was a good win for Coastal last night. Didn't play all that well from an offensive execution standpoint. Turned it over 16 times. But heck, Daryl Orrand, who's a sports information contact for Coastal Basketball, he and I roomed together and he was looking at some stats. Three of the uh, wins that Coastal has is when they've turned it over double-digit times, 16, 16, and 17 times, and they've won all three of those games. So maybe that's the formula for them. But it was nice to see them get a victory, and I know Benny Moss felt a lot better about things, uh, taking over as the interim coach, replacing Cliff Ellis, and had not won a game since Cliff stepped down right Mm -hmm. before the uh, matchup with Wofford. So that was a nice feather in his cap, and he came up for his post-game radio interview, and he was absolutely soaked. He was drenched from head to toe. <laughs> they must have taken one of the uh, Gatorade coolers and just doused him with water in the uh, locker room last night. So they, they're feeling good about themselves after last night. Still, you know, a long way to go, but I think last night was a building block for them. We'll see as they take on the region Cajuns of Louisiana right across the street from our hotel tomorrow night. Uh, listening to you talk about the uh, Gamecocks and Tigers playing at noon. We don't get tipped off until 8 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow night, so we'll get to see all the basketball before we get started. Well, you got plenty of time to rest up, you know, on a, on a road trip that can make your leg weary. And what did you like, individually speaking, last night, particular players that stood out to you? Well, John Ojiaco has been outstanding. He's one of the many transfers into the program, and John actually entered play last night second nationally in field goal percentage at 70%. 
clearly he gets very very high level shots right mm-hmm. around the rim normally slam dunks and the like so that's how you compile a 70 percent field goal shooting percentage but he got two early fouls two and a half minutes into the game so normally this is true of a lot of programs but certainly coastal when cliff ellis was the head coach and i think benny sort of picked up on this you get two fouls in the first half you go sit down and you pretty much stay over there the remainder of the half unless it just starts to get out of hand and they need you and you just got to play smart so jalen whitehead who has been uh, limited in his usage thus far came in to replace him and whitehead recorded i think it was 11 rebounds in the first half Alone, So he did a nice job getting on the boards for them. That was something that Coastal had stressed. Something Coastal normally does pretty well, and that's rebound the basketball. And they needed him to do so with John Ojiaco sitting over on the bench. You're not going to get much scoring from him. He finished with four points and 13 rebounds. But just his first half, I think, was probably the difference in the game to keep Coastal. Coastal had the lead when Ojiaco went to the bench, and they had the lead at halftime. So he did not hurt them. So he was a key factor. And they also got a, a career high from another transfer and bring on Freeman out of the backcourt. He scored 15 points last night. So a couple of the uh, guys you don't know much about. Of course, this entire Coastal team is almost new. Mm. But uh, a couple of guys that you don't know a whole lot about uh, sort of shined a little bit last night. A good road win. It's their first road win since they beat uh, South Dakota last year on the road right before Christmas. Well, it's always good to get a win anytime, especially when you've been losing. Uh, getting one on the on the road is certainly sweet. So a uh, good night for Coastal. We'll see if they can build on that tomorrow at Louisiana. Our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. Going to get to your phone calls in just a moment. A couple of quick notes. There's another commitment for South Carolina to come forward at some point as Shane Beamer put out another one of his commitment alerts this afternoon. It has not yet been identified publicly, so if something pops up tonight, we'll certainly let you know. A lot of things happening on the coaching front. Jeff Collins is the new defensive coordinator of the North Carolina Tar Heels. The former Georgia Tech head coach was hired today by Mac Brown. Football Scoop reporting that Ryan Day at Ohio State is planning multiple coordinator changes. Additional staff changes at uh, Ohio State. Sources telling the Football Scoop people plans to hire a new O.C., and that coordinator will be empowered to evaluate the current staff and make new hires if he believes that will improve the team, according to the sources. Brian Hartline, a Buckeye alum who has recruited and developed multiple first-round draft picks, is considered to be safe. However, quarterbacks coach Corey Dennis is on an expiring contract. So shake up at Ohio State, you win 11 games, and you fire most of your coaches. That's the way it is. In ball. Speaking of fired coaches. Well, and is Ryan Day, Phil, is Ryan Day safe? I realize yep. they're probably not going to kick him to the curb this year, but here's a guy who can't beat his arch rival in Michigan. Didn't get into the college football playoffs. I mean, you're starting to – as much money as being pumped into a college football, especially if Michigan goes out on Monday night and wins the national title, mm. that's certainly not going to make Ohio State fans all that happy. Mm. So how much, longer the, how much longer is the leash on Ryan Day, as good a coach as he has been? Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen coaches up at both Ohio State and Michigan – get fired just because of one game. Yeah. You can't beat your rival. You you can't coach here anymore. And along those lines, is there a coach in the country that wants to see Jim Harbaugh take an NFL job more than Ryan Day? Because <laughs> I would think that would solve a lot of Ohio State and Ryan Day's problems because Jim Harbaugh, these what was that, three years in a row now, he sure seems to have their number. All right, Georgia's going to have their right guard, Tate Ratledge, back for the 24 season. He's announced that. And the preseason rankings by 
perfect uh, uh, perfect game, baseball, uh, baseball, mm-hmm. college baseball, perfect game. And it's uh, South Carolina ranked number 13, so the Gamecocks are back in the preseason rankings after uh, being out, I think, last year. And then Clemson's number 21, and Coastal is number 25. Number one is Wake Forest. No surprise there because Perfect Game has a Demon Deacon uh, hitter as their national hitter of the year, and they have a Demon Deacon pitcher as their national pitcher of the year in the preseason. So they must be pretty loaded there at uh, Wake Forest. And something we did not mention last night, and I want to mention it here, especially while Bergie's with us, Coastal Carolina football announced their 2024 home and away schedule with the date still to come. But at home, pretty attractive. Virginia, Georgia Southern, Louisiana, Old Dominion, Appalachian State, and William & Mary. That's pretty yeah, it's salty. an outstanding home schedule. It, it really is mm-hmm. an outstanding home schedule for them. And the fascinating part is there's a road swing that they've got. They go up to Philadelphia to face Temple for the first time in program history. They come back the following week after that Temple game, and that's when Virginia rolls into town. Mm. It's, it's a weird dynamic to see you go play a, a mid-major you know, group of five team, and then you turn around and host a power five team. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the schedule, though, as you pointed out, especially the home schedule, Coastal fans ought to gobble up season tickets because that is a very attractive slate. Road games, Georgia State, you mentioned Temple. There's Troy, there's James Madison, there's Marshall, and there's Jacksonville State. So not bad. Not a bad schedule at all. One more thing that I haven't mentioned came out the other day. Uh, the International Tennis uh, I'm sorry, the Intercollegiate Tennis Association preseason ranking came out, and South Carolina will start off at number five on the men's side, number five in the country for the USC men. They were very, very good last year. Sounds like they think they're going to be very, very good this coming season as well. Okay, to your phones and the number, 888 South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. And, of course... I should be whipped with wet noodles. The uh, USC women uh, victorious last night at Florida. Another blowout win for the G's of the ladies' side. Not the lady G's, just the G's of the ladies' side. 89-66. They can thank me. They can thank me later for helping their free throw shooting by talking about it because they went 13-15 of 15 from the line last night. So I double unjinx them with my comments. Very With nice. that in mind, Very let's nice. go to let's go to Hank in Columbia. <laughs> Hopefully, I got on his good side by saying all that. Hank, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing fine, Corn. <laughs> you had to get in front of that. <laughs> you, said, you, you, spoke, you spoke about that kryptonite, and they said, you know that guy that that is always going to try to bring up UConn and Caitlin Clark anytime we are mentioned. <laughs> we're just going to go out and shoot 85% there and you shut go. him up. <laughs> there you go. Shut him up. They might not. You know what? They're not going to lose a game this year, and nobody's going to come within 30 points. How about that? <laughs> No, there'll be somebody that's playing close. Even though this, they are setting uh, records, <laughs> they're setting NCAA records mm. for uh, efficiency on both sides of the court. They, mm-hmm. they had. I don't know. I, I think I tweeted you an article a couple of weeks ago where they um, looking at teams of the last fifteen years, fifteen twenty years in the NCAA, and they're putting up numbers um, 
that looked like they could they could finish as the best with offensive and defensive efficiency. <laughs> so. Listen, they're they're playing great ball and uh, balance scoring last night five in double figures. Pow Pow had seventeen, uh, Johnson had sixteen, Hall had fifteen, uh, Full Wiley and Cardosa each had ten, had fourteen assists, did have eighteen turnovers, but. Game yeah, was that, out was of kind of, that was kind of yeah. Game was out of hand. Yeah, and so. they and they and they did yeah, and and they uh, Florida plays a high risk, high rewards. You know, Florida does press a lot, um, but most I think more of the turnovers came because uh, the starters sat the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and she got those other girls' experience. Yep, yep. Good, <laughs> those, good win. Those good their win. benches. Those their benches. You know, the highest scoring bench in in the, in the nation too. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Listen, so, when you're but, uh, beating teams by 41 <laughs> points a game, you're going to lead in a lot of categories. Well, and the thing about it is, unlike when you talk about, you know, you mentioned sometimes y'all mentioned about uh, LSU and some teams. South Carolina's strength of schedule is second in the nation, only the UConn as far as playing teams out of conference. You know, a lot of these teams got some elevated stats off of playing uh, Mary Sisters of the Poor mm. <laughs> to get to 10-1 and one and 12-1. and one. <laughs> So they South Carolina went out and chased every every high, top ranked team they could play, and the ones that wouldn't come here, they just said we'll go on the road. Like uh, someone said, now you would love this coin. Like someone said, they said South Carolina closed the door when they left North Carolina, and the North Carolina team said don't come back because they went <laughs> because they went through Duke, North Carolina, and East Carolina. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. They own the Tar Heel State. They own practically every state they go into except Connecticut right now. So yeah, but uh, they, you, they, you, well, actually, you know, South Carolina was beating Connecticut four the last five times they played them. So well, there you they go. don't even want to see us. Are you going to go to both games this weekend? You going to both games? Oh yeah, I'm going. You know, because I'm, I'm really, I really like the, the this boys team. I like the way they play defense. Mm, I, yes. I think the boys team, you know, they, you know, we needed them to score. And if you're going to play five out. Kind of like Golden State. You can put yourself in games if you hit some shots. But the way they play defense has been the most impressive to me. That mm-hmm. even in a loss, the loss against Clemson, a lot of people didn't think they would hold up defensively against Clemson with those big guys the way they did. Yeah, they're gonna face a, Clemson, you're, they're they're playing great defense. They're gonna face a terrific defensive team tomorrow night. I mean uh, tomorrow afternoon. It's gonna be an outstanding morning, yeah. should be an outstanding game. Should be an outstanding game. He, yeah, and I think it's going to be – I think the game's going to be a lot of energy just because now I don't know if you've gone – you've probably gone to a couple of games. There's a lot more energy back in the buildings for the boys in terms of crowds and students coming out. Mm-hmm. And it had gotten – you know, it had gotten where you go over there, it's like you're watching a high school game. But all this year or late this year, the students have been coming to their games and they've been getting – you know, they've been getting about 11,000 to 11,000. Well, there's, there's no reason, you know, when you're 12 and one, um, there's no reason not to have big crowds. Um, they play an exciting brand of basketball. They shoot the three. They play tough defense. I really like Lamont Paris. Every time I'm around him, listening to him talk, I'm impressed by the way he handles himself, yeah. the things that he has to say. I don't think there's any question that he knows the game of basketball extremely well. And you know what else he's done? He's gone after some top flight he players he, you know, he might not yeah. get them but he's he's getting himself in the mix for some guys you might go he's got no chance with these guys but there's some connections involved that might who knows they might break through and get somebody they have a good season make the tournament maybe win a game in the tournament make a little name for themselves who knows he might reel in 
uh, one or two really uh, special players. And I think the guys he's already got committed seem like they are. Well, they got one uh, really guy good really good. The guy, yeah, one guy's really good that he's got committed, and you know they just recently offered Mitchie Johnson's uh, cousin, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. a high four star. That's what I mean. That probably would have not been in, in, you know involved with us. But I'm sure, looking at this, it seems like Michi loves the place. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michi uh, has found a home in Columbia, and we appreciate the phone call, Hank. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Michi loves uh, loves the state of South Carolina. Loves uh, being in Columbia. They did offer his cousin, who's in the 26th class, so they'll have a they'll have a shot there. Let's go to the phones again. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. It is uh, Gamecock Larry. Gamecock Larry over in Swansea began the week with Gamecock Larry. Going to wrap up the week with Gamecock Larry. Gamecock Larry, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing just fine. First, I got to say I was running behind about 10 days. I was behind on my countdown to next year. Oh. It's, I was behind about a week to three days, so I Instead of having what I said I had, I got two hundred, three hundred and forty-five days today. Three hundred and forty-five days to listen to the Clemson trash talk. Mm. But that's all right. Has it been rough? Now, Has it been rough out there for you, Larry? I mean, have they have they been it's hard been on rough. you? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. I got a tough skin. Mm. People call me at night. Call me at night time I answer the phone, they'll holler out five and seven, five and seven, and then they hang up. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you, old game guy, Larry, he got a tough skin, I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number two. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, let me ask you this. In yes, 20, sir. In 2023, after the 22 Gamecock win up at Clemson, did you call people at night? And no, and tell them, no, sir. repeat the score to them, or you know, repeat your record, that kind of stuff. I'd call them in the daytime, but I would not tell anybody that I respect. I respect my enemy. Well, I ain't my enemy, but I, mm-hmm. I respect the other 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 fan base. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Old game color, we can take it. Yep. Number two, I got a good call today. I got a call from my attorney. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm supposed to meet him Monday with the uh, people that own and sponsor my drag racing and, and uh, drag racing and motocross team, Gamecock Lucas, Gamecock Wesley, and Gamecock Jason. Jace. Hmm. I was supposed to meet Monday morning and sign my NIL deal with the owner, with the owner and the sponsor of my Gamecock Larry's racing team. Supposed to meet with the owner of uh, Clark's Car Care. I think I said, yeah, on somebody told me something Elmwood or something. Gervais, yeah, no Elmwood, Elmwood and Sumter Street. I know that place. Yep. Okay, well, I was supposed to meet with them. They're the owner and the, and the, drag, and owner and the sponsor of my racing team. And I was supposed to meet with them and sign them an NIL deal. And my spiel is, 
if you need loving care for your automobile, go down to Clark's Car Care, but make sure you tell them, Gamecock Larry Stinson. Wait a minute, that sounds like some free advertising on Sports Talk. Who do we send the invoice oh, oh, to? Oh, I'm sorry. I know I knew you was going to bring that up. But, you ain't, but look, Bill, I would know the angle. He say, love Chevrolet, love Chevrolet, zero, <laughs> zero clean or something, zero clean. No. Uh, Go and tell them Bill Johnson sent you. Mm. Well, if you can do that, I can too. There you go. Larry, okay, we have got you. to go, but you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you yeah, next week, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yes, sir. You got it. And let, yeah, uh, is there a leap year next year or this year, Chris? I hope he's counting the leap day, yeah. yeah. There is. Yeah. I hope he's counting the leap day. It could actually be longer than Larry thinks. So this year we have a February 29th? We do indeed. How about that? An extra day of sports talk. Be right back. Welcome back. It's Friday. Normally a football Friday, not a football Friday. But we got this in football for you. Of course, recruiting coming up in a little bit. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sisters and brothers, it is time to announce the winners of our two competitions during the football season, the Football Filibuster and the Sports Talk Pick'em Challenge. First of all, let's begin with the Football Filibuster. We congratulate a man who has rarely tasted defeat in his professional, political, and personal life. That is former Governor Jim Hodges. Once again, he claims the Corn Cup, but barely. He struggled in bowl season. He went 6-9. and nine. The Attorney General, Alan Wilson, made a strong run at him. He went 8-7, and seven, but not enough. A one-game victory, that's all it takes is one game, a one-game victory by the Gov, 43-42, and 42, wow. picking against the spread, 85 games, and 42-43 and 43 for the AG. Congratulations. Governor Hodges, you retain the Corn Cup next to the Stanley Cup, the most prized cup in all of cups. In all of cup, we actually have a physical corn cup. I think he does. He's got a little something <laughs> that he calls the corn cup. All right, to the sports talk pick'em challenge. Actually, we're not done. Through bowl season, we have a tie for the championship. Congratulations to Kevin Cohen and gentleman Jim Corbett. Kev went seven and eight. In the bowl season, Jim went eight and seven. They finished tied atop the standings at forty-eight and thirty-seven. One game ahead of Big Daddy Don Williams, Godfather of Sports Talk. He went forty-seven and thirty-eight, eight and seven in bowl season. Fran, the money coach Halloran, forty-seven and thirty-eight, and he was six and nine on his bowl picks. And me. 47 and 38, and I went 7 and 8 in the bowl season. So we tied for what would actually be third place because either 
Jim, or Kev. One will end up second. We're going to break the tie by having them pick the national championship game where Michigan's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And also, in case of a tie break, they will uh, choose the uh, total points scored, closest to the total points scored. Uh, continuing at I think 40- you ought to require them to pick the FCS title game tomorrow, too. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> because of all the yeah. research they're going to do on South Dakota State and Montana. Didn't even think about that. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. Uh, Dr. Rick, uh, back that up. Uh, Pete Yanitator from uh, Channel 7, known as Stan Pete Yanity, and he went 6-9 and nine in the bowl season, and uh, he finished at 46-39. and 39. Dr. Rick, number 25 in your program, number one draft pick, All-American, Sanford, New England Patriots, 45 and 40 on the year seven and eight during the bowl season. Then tied next will be uh, Pat, 44 and 41. Terrible bowl season. Good job, Pat. Not six proud. and nine, six and nine. Thank you. And the big kahuna, the king of Charleston, Bobby Harton, 44 41, uh, seven and eight bowl record for him. Then we get down to the, uh, to the dredges. Uh, yes. Teddy, I'm so sexy without my shirt. Hefner, forty-three and forty-two, and he went seven and eight, and also forty-three and forty-two. Uh, Bergie, and you went uh, eight yes. and seven. You had a good About bowl 500. season. Yep, eight and seven, forty-three and forty-two. Nice finish for you because you were down. You were down pretty low. Strong finish. Yes. Strong finish. Uh, Smitty also forty-three and forty-two. He had an uh, nine and six. I think Smitty might have had the best, the best bowl the season. Yeah, mm-hmm. nine and six, and that's our defending champ, right? He woke up for bowl season. Yes, he did, and that takes us to our biggest loser. That is the bad boy of sports talk radio, the one and only Alan Smothers, <laughs> seven and eight in bowl season and forty-one and forty-four overall. So there you go. We still have, however, one more game to pick to break the tie. Kevin Cohen and Jim Corbett. And we'll let you know how that turns out on Tuesday. So congratulations to Governor Hodges. Congratulations to Jim and Kev. We have lovely uh, parting gifts for our winners and for our losers. Just another year of being embarrassed by being known as a loser. Because if you're not a winner, you're just a loser. I think we could get Kevin and Gentleman Jim to join us on Monday night to uh, announce their picks and defend their picks so we know why they're going the the route they're going. It's a great idea. That's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? It's a great idea. Yeah. Championship championship Monday. Come on. Great idea. I think we'll do that. Talk some trash. Yeah. All right. Let's go to um, Vern in Bishopville. Vern, welcome in. Happy New Year to you. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, great to be with you, too. Hey, man, uh, look at here. She ain't be with us solve all of his problems now. Mm-hmm. He went out there and, and, and fired this young guy, saying because he's been a running back coach, uh, that the reason they were losing and everything. So I don't know where he got that from. He must have got that from Lucifer uh, Sweeney uh, upstate there because, mm-hmm. hey, if you think he'll win a national championship because he fired Hardesty, hey, I hope he's not that dumb. You think so? Well, I mean, listen, we went over all this when it came down. Uh, it's easy to blame the single position coach for the underperformance of a position because 
each of the three years. I mean, he started out, they averaged 137 rushing yards in his first year, then it was 118, then it was 85. Now, I think we all know it takes more to run the football than just a running back, and we also all know that the talent level at running back at South Carolina has not been great. How much of that do you pin on? How much of that do you pin on Hardesty? How much of that do you pin on the offensive line? So, the other thing, the other thing, how much would that depend on the other thing? You know what that is? No, sir. Oh well, the color of his skin. Oh, come on! Really, seriously? He shot him right in a, in, a, in a private spot because, you know, he said, well, hey, and stuff like that, we going to get another guy in here and stuff like that because, hey, you know, he ain't the right color no way, so, you know, let's get him out of here. Well, did his color change since he hired him? Did his color change since he hired him? What, his color? Yeah, he hired well, no, him. He hired him. He only hired him because he knew he would have had to, uh, um, you know, get rid of him and to cover up his, you know what, his backside. You know he was he always been been a been a you know just a cover up you know what I'm saying a wet sack you know you got to get rid of a wet sack off your back sooner or later and he knew you know he was over his head so that's what he did Mister mm. uh, Gary Carlisle I'm sorry but I had to say that and you all have a blessed New Year so maybe I never call back but you know you know I just wanted to uh, get that on the air you know let people know mm. that's not why Carolina loses in football you know why they losing in football why are they losing in football. They're losing football because they don't have the right man in the, uh, up ahead in the right seat. They need to check out Red Counter and they need to check uh, Chain Beam out. You know, they say they don't have no money, which is a lie. But, hey, you know, who is me to uh, judge other folks? But y'all be blessed, and uh, y'all uh, have a, a blessed life, you know. Bye-bye. Uh, thank you, Vern. <laughs> Call back, Vern. You're not banned from the show. Disagree with you. Just have a much just better a take terrible when you opinion. call back, Vern. Yeah, just a yeah. terrible opinion. But everybody can have an opinion, uh, terrible or otherwise. That's what makes the world go round. As long as you, you keep it clean, you can state your opinion here. Might not like it. It might be incendiary and way off, way off the mark. But you can share it here. That's that's what it's all about. And if anything, whether it's fair or not, sorry, Chris, real quick, whether it's fair or not about Hardesty, we mentioned some of the running backs that the Gamecocks have had in years past. Most recently, name that comes to mind, Kevin Harris who now is seeing more playing time with the Patriots to finish the season. A lot of that because Ramon J. Stevenson got hurt. But still, Kevin Harris is, is getting some good run in the NFL, was terrific here at Carolina. We haven't really seen a good running back commit to the Gamecocks under Shane Beamer. And I believe we had a caller either last night or the night before just simply pose that question. Why Why is that? Is it the play style? Is it the coaching? Is it the offensive coordinator? Uh, which, which I wouldn't think it'd be that because now we, we have had a new one. But... Is there something deeper there for why running backs aren't coming here? And I, I do agree with Vern that changing the running backs coach isn't going to magically win you a national championship. But what it, what it might do is it might help you get a good running back in the recruiting the next cycle. And so maybe that is what the coaching staff was having to look at, in particular Shane Beamer, is, look, man, Hardesty, you did some good things, whatever, but you're not pr- pr- producing from a recruiting standpoint. We need somebody that will. Yeah. Well, I happen to think that the recruiting game has changed because, I mean, recruiting used to be about your personality, your willingness to work, your ability to identify talent, um, your ability to develop a network of 
I've, I've had you know coaches tell me one of the most important things is not necessarily knowing the player. Of course, that's very important. Or knowing his parents, but knowing the people behind them, the grandparents, the uncles, the people that they that they share information with, the people that they're close to outside their nuclear. And you get to know them, and they help you. They, they work the background. So all that used to be important, but it's all changed now. I mean, really, I think that is less important in many cases. I'm not going to say all, but in many cases, I think that's less important than what it is you bring to the table financially. And when it boils right down to it, you might be the most charming recruiter in the world, Chris. You might have all the charm and the personality to attract every great recruit to come look at you and check out your school and take an an official visit and and lead you to the water. But to get them to drink, it all depends on what is put on the table at the end of the day. And if somebody else, maybe not as friendly, maybe not as kind, maybe not as cordial, maybe not as tight with you, but puts a little bit more coin on the table, what's going to happen? in today's world what's going to happen in today's world um so now maybe that's happened before under the table in cheating ways and i'm sure it has but now it's all legal and above board and so i that my point is i think your personality and your uh, relationship with a player might not mean as much as what the financial details at the end of the day in recruiting turn out to be for that particular player and his family when they make that decision, when they're weighing all things. Look, all these schools offer great facilities. They all offer television for every game. They all offer a relatively decent academic opportunity if you want to go and get it. So what do you make your decision on? You know, proximity to home um, and maybe how much money I'm going to make off my deal. Well, I wonder, too, and I don't want to rehash something you guys may have gone over when uh, we found out that uh, Hardesty was going to be leaving the program. But I'm curious as much as if Shane Beamer is looking at the revolving door in the running back room and thinking maybe that he's the reason why, because you've got guys, Marshawn Lloyd, who exited. You've got to, even a guy like Mario Anderson, who I think we all anticipated would come back this upcoming season, and he goes into the transfer portal. They're able to bring in guys. So I guess he's got to get a little credit for being able to help recruit and land Raheem Sanders. You know, Rocket Sanders is a big deal coming into the back room, but I'm, I'm just curious, not just the recruiting standpoint, but being able to maintain and retain your current people. And maybe that's where Shane Beamer looked at um, Hardesty and said, you know what, this is just not working. But that's my point. Mm-hmm. L- Lloyd and Anderson, okay, if we are to believe what we believe, what can a coach do when players are bought out from under you? I mean, what can you do as a yeah, coach? Yeah, good point. You get the blame. You didn't keep them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean <laughs> – we couldn't match the, the offer. Yeah. We couldn't match the offer. What are you supposed to do? I mean, we believe that's the case here in both of those cases that you mentioned. Um, so, and look, they went into 2023 coming off 2022, and, and they they thought that their running back room looked pretty good. You had Marshawn Lloyd coming back. You had um, uh, Juju McDowell coming back. You had uh, – Rashad Amos uh, was, let's see, was he coming back? He was going to be coming back, yeah. As somebody just pointed out to us on our 
on our Facebook with a message, uh, Rashad Amos, who's in the portal again, by the way, rushed for over 1,000 yards at Miami of Ohio this past season. Right. Um, so it's, um, you know, I think I think the recruiting aspect of it with the way it's changed with the financial side of it now being a much bigger public part of it kind of changes it, it kind of to me it changes what a recruiter has to do you know you don't have to whine and dine and, and charm you can to kind of get your foot in the door and you can do all that but when you sit down and have that final conversation with a player and his family and his agent and his representatives you know his so-called group and they say okay you know what are we talking about here money wise what are we getting and over here they're offering about 25, 30% more, eh, walk out the door. Thank you very much. We had a great weekend. We'll see you. So, it, all right, that, that sparked something for me in my brain. When we think about paying players and having to prioritize players, say you have a pool, the NFL. I'm going to make a comparison here to the NFL and the salary cap. I realize we don't have that in, in college yet. We don't have a collective bargaining agreement. We don't have uh, an NFL PA, like a, anything like that in college yet. Mm-hmm. But... Who acts as GM, or the closest thing we can compare to a GM right now in college? Is that the head coach? Is Shane Beamer the GM of the South Carolina Gamecock football team? And what I mean by that is if you have to prioritize X amount of money of that quote-unquote salary cap or allotment of money to your quarterback, to your running back, to your offensive line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then you're going to have teams that are going to prioritize the offense or the defense or the trenches or the skill position outside players, whatever, who do you think is that guy right now on college football teams? There is one. Okay. Yeah. There are there are teams that have positions that are called general managers of the college football team. Yeah. You can check certain programs have that identification. You know, when you talk about South Carolina, uh, I don't know who, how it's handled in terms of how much we're paying this guy or how much we're going to pay that guy. Taylor Edwards is their director of, um, just off the top of my head, director of player, um, not development, but uh, evaluation. He, he's sort of like their GM, uh, without using that phrase. I believe that's part of his role. Um, he helps identify uh, prospects, high school, in the portal. Now, is he involved on the financial side? I don't know. They might have other people. You know, They've got their internal NIL operation going. So I imagine... It must be somebody inside there who works with the player and the families to decide, okay, this is our offer to you. This is what we've got for you. And then they negotiate. I'm sure there's negotiations. Even though the NCAA says you can't negotiate NIL. <laughs> right, you know, hand, hand, wink, wink. Yep. That's just that's such a joke. That's just absolutely such a joke. So, Well, and to Pat's point, uh, aside from the quarterback, which we all understand – it's the most important position in football. Where do you prioritize that money next? Is it in the running back room? Is it in the wide receiving room? Is it up front? Do you have to have a good offensive line before you worry about anything else? And then, oh, by the way, we also have to have a good portion of the pie to go on the other side of the football. And do we start with the defensive line there or the mm-hmm. secondary? Yeah, that's exactly right. Got to run to the break. We'll be back. Continue with your phone calls, 888-898-2525. Quick reminder, looking ahead to summer vacation. Give Jimmy Smith a call down in Pauley's Island. Here's that number, 843-237-4246 for your perfect beach getaway. Online, you can get the information at paulysvacationrentals.com. James Smith Real Estate, 
237-4246. This year's Carolina and Clemson Jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000, whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the Second Chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win $50,000, $75,000, or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much, so get your tickets today. See SCEducationLottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second chance odds depend on number of entries received. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Ben Portnoy coming up from Houston after the break. Plus, we've got some recruiting for you and uh, maybe a little bit Lamont Paris. We can work that in before we get to our birdies, bogeys, and biceps for tonight with George Bryan III. Let's go to Andy in Columbia before we hit the top of the hour. Andy, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Good evening, fellows. I hope you're having yourself a wonderful time in Texas there. Mr. Bryan. I did, Andy. Thank you. I have now migrated east. We're in Louisiana now. We're slowly yeah, making it know, back home. <laughs> you know, when you're not available, Chris, do you think you might be able to hook Finn up with on the on the mic so we can have him? <laughs> hey, I like that. Enjoy, enjoy. He would enjoy that. 
I yeah. think they would be quite entertaining, and it would probably be much more informative than some of the information we get from Mr. Court. Yeah, I'm all in yeah. favor of that. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah had to fit that. Had to fit him. But the real reason I called, you know, Vern is getting a little old every time it's race this, race that. Could you please tell me, Mr. Corn, how many African-American coaches we have on our football team? Isn't our defensive coordinator African-American? He is. Isn't our secondary coach African-American? He is. Isn't one of our line coaches African-American? He is. Okay. How many more? Well, is bo- that the only both three? defensive line coaches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and before Vaughn opens his mouth, maybe he should wait to see who's going to replace Mr. Hardesty, it could be an African American gentleman. Yeah, I think I think Vern realizes that he he's way off way off base making that comment. Just way off base. I mean, but it's not just that. It's always every time he calls, it seems to be race related. I like Vern; he's a good guy. Yeah, but it's a little old after a while. I think his heart, know, his heart's in the right place. His his I'm sorry? his heart's in the right place. He wants his Gamecocks to win, but. Uh, Gets a little carried away there sometimes. Okay, question regarding the new running back coach. Do you think we're not going to hear anybody until after the February signing period? Or do you think that there's someone who will be hired before then? Mm, I think I that would be a mistake, wouldn't it, Phil, to, to wait do, that long? You're talking about February, waiting until after the, the next signing period? Yeah, because doesn't, you know, a lot of coaches don't, don't a lot of coaches leave after signing periods? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's what I'm saying. You might not be able to get mm. the person you really want yep. until after the signing period because they're not going to make themselves available mm-hmm. until then. I, I don't know. I would not pin on myself. Or if you've been hearing anybody, let us know you I would, have a great weekend. Thank you. I would not pin myself down Thanks, on a particular date. We're seeing coaches hired and fired all the time in between these signing periods. Don't know. forget NFL guys, too, when that season ends. And NFL guys. Deuce Staley. Don't forget about him. He's available right now, I think. Hey, Chris, thank you, man. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. Y'all, too. I'm going to get some Cajun food. There you go. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, and let's jump right out to Houston, Texas, which will be the site of the big showdown on Monday nights. Michigan, Washington, National Championship. Already there in place to take it all in, our good friend Ben Portnoy with the Sports Business Journal traveling the country, seeking out great sports stories. He's on the big one in Houston. Welcome in, Ben. How are you? What's going on, guys? Appreciate you having me, as always. Hope you had good travels. All good, all good. Got here smoothly and uh, rearing to go for uh, some media availabilities and uh, what should be a really, really fun football game on this, uh, Monday. I will say this, having covered a couple of national championships, covered semifinals, um, they do a good job of letting the media have access to anybody and everybody when it comes to those media days, man. They just 
they lay them all out there for you. You go get who you want to. Absolutely. No, it should be uh, a little bit of a zoo in a good way, right? It, it feels sort of like in the way that the Super Bowl is, where there's a million media members everywhere. It's uh, definitely a little bit of that, but makes for uh, makes for some fun sights and sounds, and uh, I think we'll get a lot of that tomorrow during media day. How many of the uh, the fans of the teams have you already run across? Are they starting to show up? You know, I was surprised flying out of Charlotte today. There had to be about 25 Michigan fans on my flight. So they were getting out here early. Uh, I was surprised to see that many Michigan fans in Charlotte, period, let alone uh, let alone heading out on Friday. So uh, anecdotally, there's, there were a bunch of Michigan people on my flight. So we'll see. I'm sure Washington will travel, and they've traveled pretty well through the uh, – through their run this year, so it. Uh, I'll be. I'll be curious what the uh, what the crowd looks like on uh, come Monday. What's your feeling on the game? You know, I've gone back and forth, and I've said for probably three months now that I think Michigan's the best team in the country. And sure enough, I thought Alabama was going to win last week. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I probably should you know stick with my gut and stick with Michigan, stick with my pick. But I don't know. The the one thing that's I don't want to say scares me off my pick a little bit, but. It's just the way that Washington's won games. I mean, you look at some of these close calls they've had against Oregon, against Arizona State, a few weird games in there in the middle of the season. I mean, Washington's found ways to win games all year long, and and I think they're two such contrasting styles. I think that's a really fascinating piece, too, is you've got a team in Washington that can put up points, like throw the ball all over the place, and a team in Michigan who wants to sort of punch you in the mouth and, and ground and pound you to death. And, and I think it's just a really fascinating contrast set of contrasting styles and I think you know frankly I think that makes for a really fun game just because those two teamers are so different coaching matchup which way do you go you got you got the veteran from Michigan who has finally delivered on the promise that well he didn't make a promise but the promise that he brought as being Jim Harbaugh to Michigan to deliver and then you've got the relative newcomer to Washington a young guy um who knows a thing or two about winning big when he's got Washington in the biggest game. How do you like this uh, coaching matchup? You know, it's interesting. I think I, I go back to even, you know, my senior year of college at Indiana was right when Kalen DeBoer got to in Bloomington and his one year and working with Michael Pettix. And, you know, I remember talking to some folks around that when I was still covering the team. You know, what did people think about DeBoer, where he come from, all of that. And, like, if he's going to forget, he won a bunch of national championships certainly at the NAIA level, and that's mm-hmm. a little bit of a different animal. But, you know, the guys won a ton of games. I, I think you have to give the edge probably to Harbaugh, just given the sort of veteran nature, experience, all that. But, like, that is not to discredit anything that Kalen DeBoer has done. And, and I think, honestly, I've really liked kind of how aggressive they've gotten in, in moments throughout the postseason. So I, I, I do wonder whether this comes down to something like that. Visiting with Ben Portnoy out in Houston for the national championship game, which will be on uh, Monday nights. And uh, I'm sure the – I tell you what, one thing we've seen a lot of this week, Ben, and with the Sports Business Journal, you guys have been right there on top of it as well, all the reporting on the television ratings for the bowl games, for the uh, semifinals, for the uh, NFL games. I mean, across the board, the numbers are skyrocketing. And then as, not as a result of that, but we see on top of that now where Fox is planning to make a huge uh, run at properties here in the near future. We just saw where the NCAA re-signed with ESPN for 40 championships and uh, continuing coverage for eight years. 
and now we're hearing Fox is going to make a major run at the college football playoff games here in the future. I mean, where are these television rights going to go? How much more are they going to climb in terms of the dollars that will eventually get to the schools? Yeah, you know, I'll start with the media deal that got signed the other day uh, with between ESPN for, among other things, women's basketball, volleyball, softball, college World Series. A few other things in there, obviously, as well. But Mm -hmm. I think that was a really interesting indicator of sort of the market, but also where ESPN is. I think ESPN, excuse me, since Jimmy Fataro took over, has kind of been maybe tightened the purse strings a little bit. They've spent a little bit less uh, willy-nilly. They've tried to be a little bit more direct in what they're paying for. They're trying desperately not to overpay for things. And that comes where they just purchased the media package for three times what it was worth. Now, Previously. Now, again, this deal that's worth $115 million, uh, ESPN's also going to shoulder, at least I was told, uh, 25% of that deal, which comes out to about, uh, let's call it $28 million, give or take, uh, on top of the $115 million in production costs, it's going to be taken on by ESPN. So there, there's a lot of cost to that, but it's also, you know, it's a product that, that they're willing to pay for the women's basketball tournament. Charlie Baker I spoke with, the president of the NCAA I spoke with the other day, and he told me that they valued the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship at $65 million, which is about three, four, five times what they were valued at previously when this previous deal was signed in 2011. So there's a lot of things to take from that. Again, there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts, but I think that, you know, the meteorites bubble has has certainly, I would say, tightened. Um, You know, folks are spending a little bit less freely, a little bit less sort of crazily um and i and i think this was you know an interesting sort of pin in the middle of that being right there in charlotte as you are with sbj and the acc office being right there in charlotte as well and uh, jim phillips the commissioner being right there and this lawsuit against florida state and florida state suing the acc uh things grew a little quiet after all that uh, blew up a couple of weeks ago then we got into the bowls the big bowls we got in the playoffs uh, things have kind of taken a back seat there. Is that because we're just waiting for these lawsuits to get to the to the court level and, and be heard, or or something going to something else going to happen in this case? Uh, from what you're hearing right there on the streets of Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, as I understand it, something's going to get heard at some point, right? Now it's a matter of when do these folks want to go into court and deal with this, and that, and that's a whole other discussion. I think we talked about it last week. You know, when I was on, right? There's still the argument of where is this thing going to be be heard and that's a whole uh, sort of argument and fight in itself so mm-hmm. I, I think this is going to be a little bit drawn out i think that you know my understanding is again both sides think they're in the right and and i think that you know we'll see what the acc and where they go from here if florida state finds their way out of it what other sort of i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens after that right does it open the door for clemson or north carolina or others to, to find ways out as well so i'll be really fascinated kind of what happens down the line but there is uh I think there's a lot of steps still to go. One last thing, we'll let you go. And going back to this money that ESPN has poning up with this uh, new contract for these other sports, and I know Don Staley the other day made some comments again about uh, the popularity of women's sports, uh, how it has grown both on the uh, the uh, the professional level with the WNBA and uh, attendance and, and television numbers, and same thing with college uh, women's basketball and and they're talking about, like you mentioned, $65 million, uh, going for the women's basketball tournament. Um, 
Is that enough? Are, are we getting to the point where the, the movers and shakers of the women's sports, like Dawn Staley, are going to be happy? Where they say, okay, we've, we've kind of reached a good, point, a, a good point here in terms of we might not be equal with the men, but we're getting a pretty fair share. Or does it need to reach the point where it's total equality, dollar for dollar, between the two? Yeah, so you bring up a really interesting point, and I think this was the biggest thing that I took away from that media rights deal signed the other day or that was announced the other day, uh, and that's that there had been people who had valued the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship itself as worth somewhere between you know eighty five and one hundred and fifteen million dollars, give or take. Excuse me, eighty. I think it was between about eighty and one hundred and twelve million dollars, mm-hmm. just as its own entity. Now that obviously is not what happened here. They packaged everything together. Uh, and put this together as one package. Now, the question becomes then, you know, is there a world in the future where, in the way that the men's basketball tournament is its own TV package, would that happen with the women's basketball tournament at some point? I think there was a lot of thought that that might happen now, but, you know, and speaking to folks at, <laughs> excuse me, huh? speaking to folks at, at the NCAA, at ESPN as well, I think there was, you know, at the NCAA side at least, you know, certainly some fear of diluting the what everything else would be worth if the if sort of the crown jewel was out of this package. Um, and I think, you know, for ESPN, it makes a lot of sense to have all these championships because you've got streaming services like ESPN Plus that you need to fill hours on, and this helps with that. So, again, like, there will be people that – there will be detractors for this and say that they didn't get enough, but I think, you know, when you look at it for now, it's at least a step in the right direction. It may not be perfect, but I do think it's a big step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Hey, man, you have a great time in Houston. I know you will. You're going to work your tail off, but you have a great time. And you, uh, we'll remind people to follow you on X, formerly known as Twitter. Give that uh, address once again. Yeah, it's at bportnoy15. We'll have all sorts of stuff coming from Houston all week, so it should be, uh, should be a fun weekend. And uh, into the NCAA convention next week in Phoenix. So oh. lots going on. Man, you're heading out there, huh? I am, I am. Oh. So all over the world. You're the man. You're the man. Hey, listen, you're not married. You don't have kids that we know of. You do have a dog, but maybe somebody can take care of that for you. Uh, you're free to roam the country, as they say. <laughs> for better or worse, it's, uh, I'm racking up my frequent flyer miles this time of year, but it's, it's been fun and, and looking forward to some cool stuff the next few days. Well, travel safely and uh, look forward to talking to you next week from uh, Phoenix. Get your thoughts on the game and then what's happening out there. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you and talk soon. You too, Ben. Thank Thanks, you very ben. much. All right, Ben Portnoy, the Port Authority, with us here on Sports Talk. Great having him on. Love that he travels the country and can bring us right to the location where some important stuff is happening. Okay, to the break. Get you some recruiting after the break and a couple of minutes with Lamont Paris on the Gamecocks matchup with Mississippi State coming up. And then birdies, bogeys, biceps around South Carolina. That'll be coming up at the bottom of the hour. Make sure you stay tuned for that. I'm already flexing, getting ready for the bicep part of the program. How am I looking? Am I looking good, Pat? Yes, sir. Hit the break. Be right back. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 
Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code B. BB5. Don't wait. Order today. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. All right, welcome back. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Recruiting is coming up in just a second. Gamecocks just picked up a commitment. Aha, uh-huh. we'll tease you if you don't already know who it is. We'll tease you for a second. We'll get to that after we tell you about Seawells, our sponsor of the recruiting report here on Sports Talk. And they had a great roast beef Friday today. A lot of roast beef was digested. Had a lot of great gravy, pork chops, and greens and desserts and iced tea. You can get more of the same next week. The Daily Luncheon Buffet from 11 to 2. And for the best in the catering business, call Seawells, 803-771-7385. 
Some comments from Lamont Paris coming up, but just a couple of minutes ago, Gage Levardain, transfer wide receiver, has uh, committed to South Carolina. He just posted that on his social media uh, just a couple of minutes ago. He was in for an official visit to uh, South Carolina, and as he has wrapped that up, he has made his commitment, 5'10", 180, out of Miami of Ohio, native of Louisiana. He played two seasons at Southeastern Louisiana before transferring to Miami of Ohio. He caught 42 passes, 679 yards, six touchdowns. Some other offers once he hit the portal, John. Cal, Auburn, Baylor, Duke, Tulane, Houston, UCF, Miami, Michigan State, and Troy. Pretty highly regarded. So he commits to South Carolina. I believe that's 11 portal transfers for the Gamecocks thus far. With more to come, no doubt about it. And it puts their class number of newcomers coming in here for 2024. That would put their total number of newcomers at 27 at this point. And climbing, more to come. So this is probably the alert that went out today by Beamer, applying here to Gage Lavardane, Miami of Ohio transfer receiver. Okay, on to uh, the rest of the recruiting report for today. And, of course, official visits for the Gamecocks continuing, some wrapping up. Houston transfer offensive tackle Ruben Yunije wrapped up his visit today. And he had said he wanted to still visit Louisville, Oregon State. Gave an indication on social media last night he might have a decision soon. Had a little emoji with a, with a handshake emoji and said 24 hours. Draw from that what you will. Furman transfer offensive tackle Pearson Toomey on campus at South Carolina. Also considering Duke at NC State. Was at Florida State earlier this week. Could have a decision by the weekend. And other prospects in at South Carolina this weekend include Pittsburgh linebacker Bengali Kamara, Troy wide receiver Jabray Barber, and also expected in this weekend Arkansas linebacker Manny Powell. Another USC target who was scheduled to visit is not because he committed elsewhere. James Madison receiver Elijah Surratt committed to Indiana. Alabama transfer defensive tackle. Monkel Goodwine confirmed that he will be visiting USC this weekend. The visit first reported by Gamecock Central. Goodwine was actually a strong Clemson target coming out of high school after the Tigers lost that commitment of Corey Foreman. They then went after him. He had Clemson in his top five at his announcement time. He appeared in five games. He appeared in five games in three seasons at Alabama and did not record any stats. Former USC linebacker Stone Blanton is transferring to Mississippi State. He was a baseball commitment to the Bulldogs in high school before changing to USC. All right. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, did that. Did you mention Hunter Helms? Going to get to that. Can I? I'll get to it. Be patient. Um, I want to mention here that we had mentioned the uh, that Clemson might have some interest in Ole Miss transfer running back Quinshawn Judkins based off uh, his social media following. Uh, Paul Strelo of Tiger Illustrated wrote that 
there is no interest from Clemson in Judkins. And, uh, you know, Judkins had some issues there at Ole Miss uh, at the end of the time there, maybe a little bit of a disconnect with the coaching staff. That's what you that's what you read. So maybe a situation that you don't want to touch. Uh, former Clemson quarterback Hunter Helms is transferring to Rhode Island, a product of Gray Collegiate. He served as a backup at Clemson throughout his career. And uh, let's see, trying to pick out some of the new stuff um, that I haven't mentioned yet. Wide receiver Carnell Warren of Bluffton in the 26th class going to visit USC on January 20th. 2026 defensive back Jazavian Currents of South Point. He's picked up offers from Texas A&M and Mississippi State. Georgia State quarterback Michael Colasurdo, a Chapman product, in the transfer portal now. Played in 23 games over four seasons, attempted 13 passes. 2026 receiver Jude Hall, 6'4", 185 of Greenville. Plans to visit USC January 20th. He's going to West Virginia on the 14th. Maryland quarterback Talia Tongovaloa has entered the transfer portal, John, according to On3. In basketball, 6'9", Ellis Graham of Gray Collegiate committed to Charleston Southern. And there you go. There you go with the recruiting for now. Again, South Carolina picking up another commitment from the transfer portal. They add another receiver uh, to their list, and they continue to work the transfer area really hard. Gage LaVardane, transfer from Miami of Ohio. So was hoping to get some Lamont Paris on, but too tight for that. So I'll just mention the other basketball games tomorrow, what we've got to look forward to. Of course, early on, noon at both places, Little John and Colonial Life Arena, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Clemson, and North Carolina. Great way to get your day underway. Then you've got Furman looking to bounce back from a loss playing at UTC. Wofford playing at Western Carolina. Winthrop will be at Upstate on Saturday. You've got uh, Presbyterian hosting UNC Asheville. Uh, South Carolina State hosting Norfolk State. Charleston Southern playing at Longwood. The Citadel home to Samford. You've got uh, College of Charleston at Stony Brook coming off a win the other night, last night. And Coastal Carolina at Louisiana also coming off a win the other night. Around the uh, ACC elsewhere, besides that Clemson-North Carolina game tomorrow, uh, you have got uh, Pitt at Louisville, Virginia NC State, Miami Wake Forest, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Florida State, uh, and Duke at uh, Notre Dame. And around the SEC tomorrow, besides that South Carolina game with Mississippi State, the league opening up uh, league play all over the place, you've got Kentucky at Florida. That's a great way to open up league play, Kentucky at Florida, Georgia at Missouri, Auburn at Arkansas, Alabama at Vanderbilt, Ole Miss at Tennessee, and LSU at Texas A&M. All right, it is time to uh, soak up some basketball now. We can really kind of focus on that, uh, focus on the NFL playoffs that we hope the, uh, at least I do, I think most of us are pulling for the Packers to beat the Bears. on. Everybody wants to see the Packers in the playoffs, don't we? I do. And uh, and then, of course, what's going to happen here down the stretch with this uh, recruiting campaign over the next couple of weeks. All right, after the break, we get to the golf scene here on Sports Talk. Four. 
It went straight down the middle Then it started to hook just a wee wee bit And that's when my caddy lost sight of it That little white pellet has never been found to this day But it went straight down the middle Like they say All right, the golf season, which never really ends, is off and running out in Hawaii. So the PGA guys are are back at work, at least some of them. Uh, The full field will get at it next week, also in Hawaii. Uh, We have the, uh, the West Coast Swing. I love the West Coast Swing of the PGA Tour early season. All these tournaments out there get to watch the the guys play in prime time, and then we get to Arizona and the great tournament there, eventually make our way down to Florida, and then mostly come up the coast a little bit, bounce around here or there, and then land in Augusta in April. Before you know it, let's welcome in George Bryan the third, Another edition of Birdies, Bogies, and Biceps, brought to you by Tsunami Bar Sports where you get your biceps. George will give you your birdies. I'll tell you about your bogeys. Welcome in, George. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year. And what a privilege it is to tee off in, in January, early January, hmm? uh, with you guys. And we got we got Patrick up tonight. And uh, uh, don't, let him, don't let him eat a sandwich or go to sleep. Don't <laughs> let him off early now. Oh, I'm right here, George. <laughs> he's, got his, yeah, good. He, he's got his tee in the ground. Uh, he's done his his warm up swings. He's he's taking his tsunami bars and he's he's stretched things out. He's got his rhythm down like Scotty Scheffler, little sixty four today. I bet you he took his tsunami bar out there. Sixty four. He's sixteen under. Tyrell Hatton a sixty two. He's at fifteen under. Brendan Todd a sixty four at fifteen under. Sung J M a sixty six. He's at fifteen under. We've got. Jordan Spieth, a 67. He's at 13 under. Maura Cowell's on the course at 13 under. And Lucas Glover is the only local in the field, and he had a 66 after 72. He's at minus eight. So I believe this is a no-cut event, so everybody's going to be in the money on this one, George. And I think I, I did not look at the updated criteria for how they uh, filled the field, mm. Phil. <laughs> Say that real fast, George, three times. Filled the field, Phil. Hard to do. Hard field, to do. Field, field. Uh, hey, but I, I have to. I'm looking down the list, and it used to be this event was for winners only, but not anymore. Yeah. It is full of a lot of folks who are ranked nicely, but they are not winners. And that's one of the elements that. I think is uh, is truly missed. And even if they'd have just had 30 guys or 20 guys, I think I'd have rather seen that, to be honest with well, you. Well, they used to call it the, the the Tournament of Champions, didn't they? Wasn't that the name of it at the outset? Exactly. And remember Jonathan Bird won that event. He wins in Vegas, last event of the year, with a hole-in-one. And then he opens up the next season with a win. Uh, and back in that day, it was. It was just a field full of champions. So 
you know, there's some things that are changing. We talked about. I'm, I'm not sure if it was last week. That Wait, let me we let me give you air. this. You, let me give you this real quick while we're talking about that. I can answer your question. For 2024, players qualify for the century by winning a tour event in the previous calendar year. The field will also include the top 50 players from the FedEx Cup playoffs points list who haven't previously won an event. So you got winners and you got guys who had really good seasons but didn't win a tournament. Go ahead. Well, no, no, no. I was, I was, uh, you were giving as we closed uh, last week and even the week before we were talking about the influences and all the changes, and you gave your opinion, which was a little different than I think the others stated uh, that were on the tee and in the game. <laughs> and I, well, that's what's cool. I heard you. Hey, I listened a little bit, picked you up earlier in the evening, and uh, I was entertained. Not that I agreed with one of the callers talking about football and it was going deep, but I love how you refereed, and it was earlier, much earlier in the show. Yes. It was a football. So, uh, anyhow, that's one of the cool things about the game, uh, the game of golf. There are a lot of things that stay the same, but recently with the Live Tour and all the, 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 the variations that now are upon us, there's a lot changing too. And I think there's going to be many more changes upcoming as we get deeper in the spring, especially as we get closer to the majors. And the one, the one variable that will not change is the fact that the major championships all have different governing bodies, the RNA, the PGA of America, Augusta, a, believe it or not, TPC is not a major. The PGA Tour does not have a major championship. Mm-hmm. They don't have the FedEx. The money is still not a major. The FedEx Cup is not a major. So you got the Masters, you got the U.S. Open, you got the PGA, and you got the British Open. Those four events operate independently, and at this point still the players look at those four as the big four in which they make their schedule around. That's a fact. Well, it should be that way. I mean, I hope, being the traditionalist in sports that I am, I mean, I I really hope that we don't get to a fifth major. I mean, I never liked it when we went to a fifth major bowl game. You know, I grew up on the four major bowl games on New Year's Day. Never thought we needed the Fiesta Bowl. I wasn't young enough to understand that television creates everything. And television wanted more major bowls because they believed that that would create more more eyeballs. And it did. And the Fiesta Bowl has sort of taken its place in there. But it's not one of the originals. And, I mean, gosh, I hope we never touch the, the four majors. And, of course, I do know, you go back and look at history, George, how did the majors get the name majors? It came from a a sports writer who dubbed them <laughs> – he dubbed them exactly right. majors. Now, and the criteria, you have to go back and look at each one of them to define the criteria, but uh, it, it, it came from uh, the pen or the typewriter of a sports writer way back then, and it stuck. And I think everybody likes it the way it is, don't we? I think you're right. I will completely agree with you. And the the leading and governing, governing bodies that, that – control these major championships they have to some degree unified on certain topics but they still are starkly different with the way they operate the way they run their their event Mm -hmm. so uh patrick don't go to sleep you need to weigh in on this your thoughts 
<laughs> so I'm here, but I am, admittedly, I am reading up right now on any breaking golf stories across the country, and I am, I, I cannot look away. I, I can't look away at this outfit that Jason Day, I guess, was wearing today. He's now, uh, looks like he's now repping a new, he left Nike and is now repping M- Malbin, M- Malbin Golf, never heard of that. And uh, and this is, I guess, his introduction to it. And he has some some very bright, some very interesting outfits. And uh, and my apologies, George. I might need you to repeat that. I was a little I was a little caught off guard. No, no, no. I, we were we were we were talking about the major championships, the Big Four, and uh, the only name that I can think of. And I think these majors, uh, Grantland Rice was one that I used to I used to read. I haven't. I think I read about all the golf books that he wrote. Um, who who was the one who pinned that name on the majors? Can you recall that name? Oh wow, I cannot. Well, no, give us that a was second. we were. Hey, no, no, Pat. While he's looking that up, we were just talking about should there be a fifth major championship, and mm. we had made the point that. Most of the the greatest players in the world still make their schedule out based on the four majors, which has nothing to do with the PGA Tour events. Right. The four majors with the top players in the world are the ones they focus on, and we were just on that topic. And we don't. I, I agree with Phil. I don't believe there should be a fourth, a fifth major, and I don't think we're anywhere near anything like that. None of the other events right. can touch it. I do think. But, but before we go on, what are your thoughts on that, Patrick? So my thoughts on that, I, I agree with both of you, and I, I would equate it to a hot topic that we've had on the show for the last month or so throughout college bowl season and football is. Some numbers right here. Back in 1990, there were 19 bowl games. In 2002, there were 28 bowl games. And now this year, there's 43. There's going to be even more next year with the inception of a 12-team 12, uh, 12 playoff. Or Yeah, so there'll be even more games next year. So you got to think that, in my personal opinion, I could not care less about 90% of bowl games right now in college football. I think it's just completely watered down the product. And I'm absolutely against it. I can't stand seeing five and seven teams or six and six teams play in the bowl game. I don't think they deserved it. And and I've been very outspoken about that on the show. Well, I would apply that same logic to this question, George, where I think we have the four bowl uh, sorry, the four major championships each year, and now we do have whether it's the President's Cup, the Ryder Cup, or other competitions, and now we have so many more of the World Golf Championship match play events and things like that. That I think some of those other events kind of fill the gap for exciting, quote-unquote, exciting weekend events outside of the four majors. But if we're talking specifically with just the majors, I like it just the way it is. My only suggestion, the only thing I would like to see is maybe if they could be spread out a little bit more. It just feels like once they get rolling, they're kind of in the rear view real quick. So I'd love to see maybe even one a quarter throughout the year or something like that. Yeah, well, I, I think the years, even as, even as it is, from January all the way through uh, in the wraparound season, I think that's going to – hey, it won't probably won't go away, but it won't get as much attention. But the FedEx Cup, they finished up in August this time, or it could, may, may have been the first week of September, which I appreciated the tightness of the season, and it, in my opinion – But here's my question for short. you. Here's my question for you, okay? You mentioned the FedEx Cup, and that's totally a creation of – 
television and the PGA Tour or the PGA, uh, I guess that's PGA Tour thing, not PGA of America, but PGA Tour. Uh, it was totally created with the idea that everybody loves a playoff at a time when the other sports that aren't football, basketball, baseball, and hockey all wanted playoffs. Uh, NASCAR went to a, a playoff to determine its champion. Um, golf, I don't know which one went first. One of them went ahead of the other. I don't know which one went first. But then, you know, golf started a playoff system to determine its champion. And, I mean, the FedEx Cup, and I know it, it pays a ton of money, and the, the process is pretty interesting the way they eliminate round by round. But, I mean, do you think it deserves to be thought of along the same lines as winning a major? Do you think Absolutely it... not. Absolutely not. Oh, it's not okay. even close. Look at how they're attended. Nobody even by the time the... <laughs> I mean, it's a joke how poorly attended the playoffs are, mm-hmm. and that nobody talks about that stuff. They no, Nobody brings that up. But by the time it gets to Atlanta, the last one, you can just look in the stands. Hardly anybody's there, mm-hmm. especially Thursday and Friday. So... Uh, no, it can't. But are they going to try to push it into that level? Well, I think they've tried to do it just with money and hype, and uh, but that just that just goes to show that no matter what, you can't you can't buy love. <laughs> and they hadn't touched uh, they hadn't touched the hearts of the folks that are supporting the game the way it is, and that's the people. And I don't know that at this point. There's, there's everything's so spread out and so confusing. None of the, none of the dust is real, really settled to let the people kind of figure it out. The live tour is not televised. It's all secretive, and then the DP tour is not followed very well. And and uh, you, you got a few more players that are really good than there used to be, but not a bunch. So it's. But there's still a lot of confusion. Nobody really – we've had tour players on the show. They don't even know what's going on. <laughs> it's, it's, there's still a lot of unknowns that will probably shake out and be determined in the spring and the summer. And, and at that point, the people will speak, and I think they're already speaking pretty loud right now. The, uh, we'll see how the ratings go with TV. But you could tell by the end of the tour season just with crowds – uh, the people aren't happy about it. Well, it was pointed out to me. I think Chris sent us this information because they had a, a story out today or yesterday about the top 100 television events of 2023 in terms of audience size, the top 100, and they were all sporting events. And none of them included golf. Uh, most of them were football um, but there were some other sporting events thrown in there, where, in there as well. But none of them included golf. Is that a concern you think to the to the golf world? Uh, it should be to the folks uh, in the places like the PGA Tour. But the game of golf is one that's so unusual that so a lot. What I'm my interpretation is a lot of folks are a little bit out on watching and they're playing more. They're going to the golf course so. While you get a little put out being a fan, well, the heck with that. Mm-hmm. We'll just go play more. So the golf courses, golf courses could benefit from from that kind of thing. And that, there's just too much going on. 
way too much going on, too many options. And then when we do get to watch it on TV or hear about it, it's just not very entertaining. And it, there are numerous le- layers. I think folks are getting a little bit bored with not with there not being a divine or a defined uh, leadership. I think we'll see the majors as we get closer to Augusta. Everything will turn the attention to that beautiful week and. I think that's traditionally that's when the season actually starts. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. It didn't start this week, and it won't start for another two two and a half months. The two or three weeks before Augusta, now things get fired up. So uh, it will know. be fun. I, I agree with you there. I mean, as far as the the passionate, intense following of golf, I kind of believe the the Phoenix Open. Uh, the Waste Management Classic, whatever they call it, uh, that catches my attention. I mean, I love sitting down on that Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, especially when it's tied in around the Super Bowl and watching those guys go at it out there. But I know that's more of a – that's not a pure golf thing. That's just more of a drunken stupor weekend for people, right? (laughs) That's fun. And I got to tell you, that might end up being – one of the most popular, if not the most popular event on tour. I was just listening to Wesley outline his options, what he's thinking about doing, and he's thinking about not playing an entire week in Europe or somewhere in the world where he's got an exemption to go to play in a Monday qualifier for that event. Now, that's to me, that's ridiculous. Hmm. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. is a crazy notion to go play a, a, in a four-spot qualifier instead of missing – instead of playing in a in a tournament mm-hmm. on the DP World Tour. Now, and that actually is – anyway, I don't want to get too deep into what mm-hmm. – Wesley's thinking about a lot of different options like a lot of the players are that uh, the Live Tour spread things out and giving the world a better chance. There are a lot more players – that can get in these events now. And anyway, I think that's crazy to take, to, to even weigh a four spot against an exemption into an event, but that's how much these players want to play in Phoenix, mm-hmm. which uh, when I ask him further, he goes, I tell you what, there's no feeling I've ever had. This is Wesley. Like the par three, I think it's number 16. Yeah. He said, just nothing like it. So even winning, <laughs> even winning at Harbor town, even well, winning in Harbor Town? I, I didn't ask him to compare that, but, you know, he, uh, I do think it's just crazy to think about playing in a four spot. Now, most people out there have no idea how hard it is for four players against a field that starts off to be probably a couple hundred, 300 or so, and only four players get to get, get, to get in the event. That's hard to do. That's almost impossible to do, but there will be 100, 120 tour players at the end of the day. 120 players really can go out in their four spots. Mm-hmm. And even if you get in the event, that doesn't guarantee anything. You still got to make the cut. And George, so anyhow, I'm sorry, my, my two cents on the on the Phoenix Open, or the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and what makes that just so exciting. Obviously, I'm not a professional. I'm not. I'm not even a good golfer, or even average really golfer. But but you're friends with a good golfer. I am, and and, uh, <laughs> and I've played my whole life. But my point is, uh, but I also fit into that generation. So I just want to add my two cents. And 
I feel like folks my age, my age group now are the ones that are kind of carrying the torch in a lot of professional sports, including golf. And we all grew up watching Happy Gilmore. We all grew up seeing this goofy Adam Sandler movie where the the game of golf was not the same kind of antiquated, quiet little golf clap. We actually got to see like, oh my God, what would it be like if that was real life? And the Waste Management Open is the closest thing I can think of. The Ryder Cup maybe too, but for an actual PGA-sanctioned event for the Phoenix, I think the Phoenix Open is just in its own category where the fans are actually able to get out there and you have the debauchery. You have the people slamming beers right there. You have people throwing beers down to players who are chugging it after playing the whole whatever. That's unlike anything I have ever seen in a professional golf atmosphere and I think that is is drawing a lot of people to to that event is just to even see it. And I'm not to say that take to take away from. I love the gentlemanly aspect. I love the antiquity of golf, but it's nice to also see the, this other side as well. Oh, I, I agree. I think it's just absolutely. I don't want anybody to get hurt by them throwing beer cans on no, the green not. or anything. Right. That's not any good. But I, I have to admit that the stands and the stadium concept and. Uh, the excitement that goes along with it, and they're a little uh, well. They just uh, they have a different, a relaxed set of etiquette and rules there at this event, and I think it does lead into. I remember a number of years ago, Ryder Cup, Boo Weekly, and I think it was Bubba. They played on a team, and and it seems like one of those two are the ones that really asked the crowd to go ahead and just let it go. It seems like that was up in Louisville at Valhalla. And uh, when I think that was, I think that's right. And that's when it became popular in those events for there to be a lot of noise, even while the players are, are, are trying to play. And I, I, I think that's an element that would make golf more exciting. I don't see anything wrong with the fans going nuts just like uh, they do at a football, baseball, or basketball game. What's wrong with that? You know, I, I agree. I, I've had to hit many a ball from the woods near the interstate, and I've never been bothered by the trucks going by or anything like that. So, <laughs> hey, before we go, we got to offer up recognition here to the South Carolina Golf Association Players of the Year announced on New Year's Day. The Player of the Year, Sam Jackson of West Columbia, the senior player of the year, Todd White of Spartanburg. Your thoughts, George? Hey, congratulations. Todd White wins the USGA Men's Senior Amateur. He's a major championship winner, and he wins the state amateur, too, at Musgrove. And then Sam Jackson, this is two years in a row for Sam. And uh, PC grad, uh, also P and high school alumni. Mm -hmm. We've had him on the show a couple of times, and we'll see what – We'll see what Sam's schedule's like uh, to have him back. Congratulations. Those are Let's get Todd fine on. young men. Can, can you connect with Todd? I'd love to have him on. Well, we can, I'd love to take a swing at it. Yeah. He's a golf coach. This would be his time of year, and, and uh, that's a great idea. I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, that's and what we so, do here. That's what we do. We're hey, your caddy. That, We're I'm your caddy. We put, we put the tee in the ground for you, George. You don't have to bend over. We do that for you. Do you get the golf ball out of the hole? I think uh, <laughs> that's getting to be a little more difficult as I climb this this chronological ladder. Yeah, but it is a privilege. And, uh, hey, fellas, like always, and Tsunami Bar Sports is our ongoing sponsor, and uh, there's nothing like the winter time to get your game in shape. And you need to go to tsunamibarsports.com. Triple B five gets you five percent off. 
any of the technology. And I was with Phil Kanders just yesterday. He's 82 years old. You got to go. Hey, I'm sending you guys some new video. Good. And uh, check out Phil. Check out the uh, technology. And then triple B5 when you're checking out. Thank you to Tsunami Bar Sports. We'll talk more about that later. Till next week, guys, you see them high, but shoot them low, and I enjoyed it. Hey, we did Thanks, too. George. Thank you, George. Real quick, before we leave you, Shane Beamer's put out another commitment alert, second of the day, but another USC target, Jabray Barber, wide receiver, committed to Texas A&M, so it's not him. Thank you, Pat. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.